This is the Getsy Health Podcast with Janique and Tristan Roney. Hey, you guys, welcome back. Welcome to another episode. We are going to be talking about um, feeding our children and how to do it. And um, kind of just, th- this is a podcast episode mostly for moms. Uh, I get a lot of questions. Well, not mostly, but... <laughs> Did you hear me gasp? Like, yeah, what? Like, no. So, so, yes, especially around here in Utah, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, is going to be the moms that mm-hmm. are running the show. But if we're realistic... Like, I, I guess these these uh, suggestions apply to everyone, right? Yeah, I mean, and depending on where you live, it's, True. you know, it could be closer to like right. 60, 40. And there are a lot of single parents these days where... Mm-hmm. Even if you're the dad, you're you're in charge of it for at least right. part of the time, right? But, yeah, but, but I, I probably get like about ten moms a week ask me like, "How yeah. do I get to feed my kids healthy food?" Like it is so hard and it's overwhelming and um, scary. And so I want to I want to talk about that. I want to talk about that overwhelm, that you know that the frightening aspect um, to changing our lifestyles and changing our diets. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the problem, the cultural issues, because I'm always talking about cultural issues. And then we're going to give you guys some tips um, and tools that you can utilize and start using today even. so. And this one's important if you have children, even if you're not necessarily concerned about your children's health, but because mm-hmm. it is incredibly difficult to change your own lifestyle right. If you've got children involved, because totally. the children bring in the outside influence like nothing else can, right? right. They've got school, they've got their their soccer games, they've mm-hmm. got their karate classes and their church classes where all of these influences are being pushed on them. And then in turn, they bring that back to the household. Right. And, and the stress that that brings on top of the stress that is already just a natural part of being a parent... It yep. can be the excuse that too many people use to not change their own lifestyles. Yeah. So hopefully yeah. this episode and the next one, we're actually doing two this week, which yep. is pretty exciting. Our our bonus episode, we interview a couple of friends, Katie and Liza, and they are moms. So Katie has six children. Um, three of them are triplets. And, uh, and then Liza has four and we kind of talk about, um, again, culture, but their stories, their health history, their children's health history, and what motivated them to completely change their lifestyles from the standard American diet to a more uh, paleolithic, um, whole food, but with meat. Definitely. Uh, yeah. More of a, a traditional foods diet, mm-hmm. which is generally speaking what we espouse yep. depending on your individual situation. But hopefully by the end of these two episodes, you will feel a lot more empowered to help your children turn around their diets. Exactly. And thereby make your entire household just healthier, happier, and more in line with what you want to be living. Yep. So let's get into it, you guys. Um, why? Is it so hard to feed kids good food? Um, Because sugar is so addicting. It is the most addicting substance on the planet. So you're not just dealing with children that are picky eaters because they're not. They're not picky eaters. They are food addicts. They're sugar addicts. That's so. You are dealing with a tiny human being with an undeveloped brain who is a sugar addict, and that's the problem. So. If you guys know adult addicts, it's hard. It's hard to deal with them. They It takes sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and help them heal. And so this isn't what we are saying right now when it comes to little people, undeveloped brains and food addictions. Like This is no easy task. And we recognize that. And we want you to know that if you embark on this healing journey, it's going to be hard, but it's going to be one of the most... Um, one of the most liberating experiences and most rewarding experiences of your life. Absolutely. And so, okay. So food is addicting and like, it's so addicting. Adults can't even eat well. I mean, so, you, you can probably think of yourself at some mm-hmm. point in the last year, most people, some people yeah. have been disciplined for a long time, but most people, you can imagine your worst eating moment in the last year mm-hmm. where you binged out on that food that you know is just terrible for you. Right. But in that moment, you could not help it. 
right? right. It was an overwhelming sensation of, I need this in my mouth right, right now. now. Mm-hmm. And that's how kids are all the time. <laughs> all, <laughs> all the time. And so, you know, so, uh, so if we can't even do it, how do we expect our children to do it? And, and we'll talk about things because I promise you it is doable. It, you can train your children. It just takes a lot of discipline and boundaries and upfront contracts with your children. All right. And, and one more quick caveat. We say this all the time, but this really needs to be emphasized now. We are not espousing perfection no, when never. it comes to this. We know that your children are going mm-hmm. to eat bad food at some point, yep. especially once they become teenagers and they're a lot more independent. You lose control over most right. of their diet for eight hours a day while they're at school mm-hmm. or wherever else. And that's okay because we don't need perfection. Our bodies don't require perfection. Yeah. They require like 80 to 90% good and they can handle the rest as long as you're in generally good health. Right. Right. And our children are very much the same way. In fact, they are so bursting at the seams with enzymes that they can afford to make even more mistakes than you can. And thank heavens for that. Not all, not all. Once again, if you've got health stuff going on, then that complicates it more. But but the fact is that, yes, you can get away with some issues, right? Some imperfection. And that's fine because what we're really trying to do is create patterns and traditions Mm -hmm. and habits that set a strong foundation for the rest of your children's life. Right. So, um, so we spoke about why it's so hard, their undeveloped brains, but let's talk about the culture around food because not only are you dealing with someone who has a hard time letting go of the most addictive substance on the planet. Um, But there is a culture that reinforces this drug of choice. There is a culture that normalizes this drug of choice. There is a culture that revels and glorifies in it. Mm -hmm. And how do we, how do we break ourselves from that? Because I have moms that say, I don't want to be that mom that has to always say no at church, at school, at play dates. And like, our culture has put us in this really awkward position where mm-hmm. we are ashamed to say no. We are ashamed to put up boundaries. We are embarrassed to do that. And that is really messed up. Like, how did we get here? It is. It's like you have to choose between being a good parent or being a, a jerk, right? Like, right. Or a bad parent and a jerk. I don't know how to do comparisons. But basically, <laughs> you lose no matter what you do. Right. Either you're the one who has to constantly be setting the boundaries reminding the children of the house rules Mm -hmm. and confronting other adults, which is the worst, Mm -hmm. or you let your kids eat whatever stuff they want and you pay the price later. Right. So it's, it's really yucky. It's really sad, but like, let's think about it. Let's, let's go back to like a day in the life of parents and children. You go to karate, they get candy you send them to school. They do their reading. They get candy. Um, their snack time is candy. They, what else? They show up at church. They get candy. Sometimes you're literally walking down the street. And, and a stranger will offer them candy. You pass a stranger and they get candy. And like, so so let's, let's put this in kind of a different context and say, let's say you are out. And I'll give the example of when we went to Tennyson school one day and Satori was throwing a fit. And the and the, the receptionist was like, "Can I give her uh, uh, some fruit snacks? Um, can you imagine if Satori was throwing a tantrum and that same person turned around and said, "Do you mind if I give your daughter a cigarette? Like, is that okay? <laughs> it'll like, really calm her down. It'll really calm her down because it's a drug. <laughs> you know, that nicotine is really calming on that nervous system. You guys, sugar is basically it. It, it, it is a drug." It is a drug and we are totally fine with that. And we we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. We need to see it for the demon that it is. Um, it's It causes all kinds of organ inflammation. It is literally toxic to your liver. It creates obesity. It exacerbates inflammation. It exacerbates leaky gut syndrome. I mean, there's there's not a good thing fructose really does to your body. I think in a way it might be most accurately compared to something like alcohol where everybody is pretty well aware that alcohol has 
virtually all downsides, mm-hmm. but it is fun in the moment while you're doing right. it. I hear. <laughs> I actually literally just read a study where they were saying that they attribute 5.6% of cancers to poor nutrition. Mm. And then- That's it? That Well, that's it. But then they had other statistics. I know, right? Mm-hmm. But it gets, and they're like, but 6% of cancers to alcohol. And I'm like, oh, so oh. poor nutrition is- yeah. Almost as bad as being an alcoholic for right. cancer. So so everyone knows that cancer's bad, but a lot of people still choose to do it sometimes. Cancer, you just said cancer's bad. Cancer's everyone Are you talking <laughs> about sugar? Let me start over <laughs> alcohol. You have uh, cancer on the brain. Yeah, apparently. Everyone knows. So, I mean cancer is terrible, guys. So, so cancer is bad. Yeah. So everyone knows alcohol is is problematic, right? Mm-hmm. It's the cause of so many problems in our society. That being said, it can still be fun. A lot of people choose to use it occasionally and they Mm -hmm. do so responsibly, right? Mm -hmm. With an eye towards, as long as I don't do this too much or too often, everything's going to be okay. What if we treated sugar the same way, right? And maybe some of us do. Maybe some of us do. Most Mm of us, we go through our moments of struggling with that. As a whole, our society is terrible at that. So bad. If our society was drinking alcohol the way that we eat sugar, Mm -hmm. we would be in big trouble. Maybe we are in big trouble. I don't know. We're in big trouble. But but that's sugar, right? And and we're certainly not using alcohol, hopefully, to sedate our children or to get our children to do what we want. Like, hey, if you just finish your dinner, then I'll give you this... Mm-hmm. Nice uh, shot of whiskey. What do yeah. you think, Tennyson? <laughs> right. Isn't that like? Isn't that terrible, you guys? Like that's such a terrible idea, and yet we're totally fine doing that with sugar. Maybe our kids would get to bed on time if we <laughs> gave them some alcohol after dinner. <laughs> we just honestly, we just need to prioritize sleeping and have better boundaries with it. Same thing with food, guys. You need to have better boundaries with it and better rules. Um, okay. So, uh, oh, there was something really important I wanted to say, and I totally forgot. Hopefully, it comes back to me. Um, but it, it just, you guys, it's, it's, it's really obvious that sugar really should be seen for the demon that it is. And it really, like, we need to have a heart to heart with ourselves and, and say, what do I want for my child? Is their health worth it? Is their long-term, um, is their long-term, I, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Well-being. Well-being, yeah. Like, yeah. like, do I want my children suffering with autoimmune diseases, with um, illnesses, with inflammation, with um, who kn- maybe infertility? I don't, like, that's not a future I want for my children. And yet, poor nutrition and high sugar consumption can lead to these things, can exacerbate these things. Like, I don't want that for my kids. And so I think every parent needs to kind of sit down and have a heart to heart with themselves and say, what, like, because this is our responsibility. Like our children are not getting in a car, driving to a grocery store and buying the food. That is all on us. Mm -hmm. And when people say, how do I get my kid to eat better food? I'm like, just don't buy it. You don't buy it. If you have it in the house, you made a choice that you were fine with your child eating that. You know, and like, and so we have to kind of, again, like I said, have a heart to heart and be like, okay, when is this going to stop? When am I going to get, put on my, my, my adult pants, my big boy pants and retrain my children again? And that's because that's what it is. It's training. It's training and it's hard and it's uncomfortable. It's like riding a bike. You're going to fall off that bike a whole lot. You're going to have some scraped up knees and hands. Um, you're going to be kind of miserable for a little bit. But then you start to learn to ride a bike and then it's easy and it's just your new normal. Also, the the process by which you give in to your child when they demand bad food is the same process going on in their brains when they're demanding the bad food. Right. Both of you have long-term goals that you would mm-hmm. like to achieve, but short-term goals that feel more important because they seem more urgent. Mm-hmm. So with the kid... They might know that, yeah, they, they're, they've been told they want to eat healthier and all that. But in the moment, all they can think about is, I want sugar and I want it now. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, all you're thinking is, I want peace and I yeah. want it now. Right. right. So you give in and give them the sugar so that you can get what you need in that moment, which right. is peace. And then you both suffer because of the long-term Big consequences. Time. Big time. Um, so before we go into um, how to feed kids healthy foods, I want to, I've brushed on this a little bit, like talking about your why. And it's not just because I want my child to feel healthier. It's I want them to have higher quality life. I want them 
to have a strong immune system. I don't want them to have all of these um, strange diseases that we're seeing in our modern uh, society. You guys, childhood allergies has increased by 30% since like the mid 90s. And then childhood cancers has increased by 32% since 1970. I mean, that's pretty significant. They, they're projecting that by 2030, um, one in three children are going to be obese. Mm. And, um, and these statistics, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be fine with that. And yet, there, no one in the media is batting an eyelid. No one is saying anything about this. Instead, we are double down. We're we're doubling down, and we're glorifying our cookies and our sodas and our processed foods and our cereals. Um, and and I think this is this is why I've created all this gutsy health stuff is because I want to push back and I want to create a new norm. I want people to understand that what we're doing right now is not sustainable. It's not. Our children are expected to die at a younger age than us because they are more unhealthy. That and that the first time in history. The first time in history. That mm-hmm. it's like this. All right. That's how bad things have gotten. Now, we live in the most technologically advanced, the most knowledge available society that has ever existed on the planet, right? Mm-hmm. We have access to all the information. And we cannot figure out how to keep ourselves healthy. Yeah. The harder we try, the worse mm-hmm. things seem to get for us. So clearly our system isn't working, yep. right? There are too many forces working against us. We've talked about the the power of the marketers. Yeah. And the marketers are controlling way more than just what you see on the TV. Right. They're controlling what we believe about health. Totally. They are the reason that we think fats are bad for us yep. and that we think refined foods full of refined carbohydrates and mm-hmm. sugars are good for us. And that we think that medicines are the magic pull to, pill to every issue. Yeah. They are the reason that we believe we can get away with all kinds of bad behaviors as long as we just take the right pill when the doctor tells us what's going right. on. But as, but as most of you who are listening know, that's just not true. Like you take a pill and you need another pill for the side effects and then you need another pill for those side effects and you're just stuck in this loop of medication and medication and medication. Uh, again, the stats speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. We are not only not living as long as our yeah. parents, but we're sicker earlier. And what's interesting is we ha- are taking more drugs than ever, more prescription drugs than mm-hmm. ever. And we are still like, we're getting sicker. So something is broken something's broken. But we all know that. And the reason why you're listening to this still is because you know that and you want something different for your family. And you are sitting here going, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, what do I do? Okay. So, so this is what you do. Um, This is what we did with, should we tell about our son Tennyson, I guess? Okay. So, so we, when, when he was young, we started him on eating vegetables and eggs and he did great and he was a really good eater. And then I got lazy and then he started eating fries and chicken nuggets. And then Tristan got diagnosed with cancer and I was like, okay, everyone needs to change their lifestyle now. And, um, and it was hard. It was really hard trying to get Tennyson to eat vegetables again. He um, loved, loved, loved Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. And oh it was gosh. all he ever wanted. And it was like all over San Antonio too. We were living in San Antonio at the time. And like there was a Chick-fil-A like five minutes in every direction. It was Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Chick-fil-A, yeah. <laughs> barbecue place. Chick-fil-A, uh, Starbucks. Exactly. Tacos. Tacos. Um, and so, so I promise you like it, we have been through this struggle and I, and I promise you this as well. The struggle never ends. Nope. And it, and it never will because they know what sugar tastes like. Um, but again, it's the reprogramming and it's the reformatting your priorities for them and for yourself and for your family. So um, I can't promise you that the struggle will go away because it won't. It's just going to change and shift and it's not going to have so much charge in the beginning. But in the beginning, um, think of an adult addict. When you take away their drug of choice, what happens? There is withdrawal. There's anger. There's lots of emotions. There's bartering. There's people making other people mad. And for instance, like your children are going to be throwing tantrums. And like, and 
the best thing that you can do as a parent is just kind of hold your ground in the most loving way and just, you know, just kind of be like, I'm so sorry you're feeling that way, but this is how it is. So what I like to do with, um, what I like to explain to people, and I try to do this with clients as well, but especially with children, you have to have like an upfront contract and explain to them, like, let's say you are on the standard American diet right now and you're thinking, you know what? I need to change now. Like things need to change um, and we're going to do this. Um, what I normally tell everyone is have a family meeting, sit down and then educate them and say why these changes are happening. And you don't like never use shame. Shame never propels mm-hmm. change Not a good ever. Idea. So you want to use education and empowering thought processes. So every time I introduce a new food to Tennyson or um, I try to get him to eat something, uh, it's, it always goes back to this food builds your body and makes it strong. It helps your body fight off bad viruses or bacterias. Like this body or this food will help you feel like Superman or be as strong as Batman or be as flexible as Spider-Man. Uh, do you want to feel like a superhero? Now, a lot of you guys are like, well, I have teenagers and obviously I can't talk like that. And we'll talk about teenagers in a little bit. But um, but you always want to use education. And education is a tool. It is power. It is knowledge. I think our son has more um, body intuition than most adults. Mm-hmm. He said He said something really interesting yesterday. He said, mom, when my brain is tired... It just, I just feel like a crazy person sometimes. And like, I don't mean to take it out on you. It's like, I just can't control it. And I thought that was really wise. You know, I was like, whoa, like you are really, really owning your thought processes and what your body is doing in this moment. And that was really intelligent of him. That was body intelligence. And so we want to instill this in our children. We want, because they're not just a mind or a soul. They are a body too. And when you can kind of introduce all three of them together, then they can be intuitive and they can understand why their body is reacting the way it is. Um, Oftentimes Tennyson will like, he will link a, a symptom that he's having to something that he did the day before or something that he ate. Like he can see patterns in his lifestyle and he can see how his body reacts to those patterns. And that is not an accident, by the way. We have been working with him on this for a long, long time. Very long time. We have conversations all the time about, hey, what's going on right now? Mm -hmm. What do you think might've been the cause of this? What can we do about this? And it is just now starting to pay off mm-hmm. and him really catching on to it and internalizing it. Yep. And and another part of this education process, you guys, buy them books, buy them books about anatomy, buy mm-hmm. them books about physiology. And they have so many incredible children's books that Tennyson loves to read. I mean, he loves to read his dinosaur books, his rock. He's really into like stones right now and gems. Rock, gems. Yeah. And then his, his body books, like he loves his body books and he loves learning about the body and he's always asking questions. Um, and, and so education is power. And so, when you are talking with your family, when you're talking with your little kids, like I said, have that meeting, sit them down and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to keep educating you guys. We want to teach you how your body and the food you eat are so interconnected that you can't escape it. And I want to teach you to be an expert on your body. And while we're on that topic, the very same thing applies to you. Mm-hmm. Because I, I don't know where you're at in terms of your own body awareness or your general health knowledge, yeah. but I can guarantee that if you are modeling a curiosity mm-hmm. about your body, modeling a transparency and openness about what you're experiencing, yeah. that will show for the kids and they will catch on to that and they will yeah. start to model that. Yep. And- by the way, when you're in those rough moments, your kid's throwing a tantrum because they want candy and you're trying to feed them kale, yeah. you are going to need so much self-awareness not right. to lose your mind. That's so true. And it is a meditation of the most intense kind mm-hmm. to stay centered, stay grounded, hold your ground and not right. either start screaming or give in and yeah. say, fine, here's ice cream instead. Right. 
So, so everything that we're talking about with helping your children actually applies to yourself just as much, absolutely. if not more so. Absolutely. That takes me to my next uh, point, which is monkey see, monkey do. You have to model for them what their what their relationship with food is. If you have an unhealthy relationship with food, that's what they're going to see. Um, if you have a healthy relationship with food, they're going to do. They're going to model that and do it. Um, so when it comes to eating healthy foods, um, obviously doing it as a family <laughs> is very important. But you guys, sometimes it takes up to fifteen times for children to be exposed to one kind of food before they accept it and they love it. That, so. that, that's huge. 15 times might not seem like that much as mm -hmm. you hear it right now, but that is a lot of meals. So let's say for instance, it's broccoli. So if you were eating broccoli every other day, it, that would be exposure to broccoli 15 times in a month. So, so it, it would take an entire month of pretty much almost everyday exposure mm -hmm. before your kids say, okay, yeah, yeah, I like this now. Yeah, exactly. So, so consistency is, is honestly, it's key. Like you have to be consistent and you have to, when, with, um, with, so there's, there's two things and, um, and Katie actually spoke about the no thank you bite. So, and I love that because um, we do something similar, but we don't call it the no thank you bite. So when her children, when she makes a meal, they have to try everything. That's the no thank you bite. So they try it and then they say, no, thank you. I've had enough. So with our children as well, we say, you don't have to love it, but you have to try it. And so I know with every single meal that I make, I try to make a vegetable or a protein or something that they love and then something that they like and then something that they have to try because you know they're going to eat the thing that they love and mm. that they like but the thing that they don't love the thing that's unique the thing that's new that has it looks like it has a funky texture to it like they're obviously going to leave that for last and so the wording that i use is you don't have to like it but you have to try it or you can uh, do that that a uh, phrase the no thank you bite so um what i also loved in her story too was katie doesn't like beets and you guys are going to hear this in the the other episode but she doesn't like beets but she will model to her children her no thank you bite and she will show and and like and when she goes to eat it her children will be like but mom you don't like beets and she's like i know but i i have to do the no thank you bite too you know, so showing children, I think vulnerability in food and weakness is totally okay. You know, you are showing them that, hey, I have problems with food too. I am not perfect, you know, and, and they can connect with you when you show that to them, when you show that vulnerability to them. And so you'll be more successful with that as well. And, and kind of going back to the exposure piece, you are not just helping them learn to like broccoli when you go through that arduous process of exposing them mm -hmm. 15 times to broccoli. You are actually training them to be more flexible right. in their tastes, yep. right? One of the worst things that happens to young children is that we allow them to have a very narrow palate where mm -hmm. all they want to eat are three different foods, chicken nuggets, French fries, and what applesauce, mm -hmm. right? And that's all they eat for years and years. And then we expect that they're just going to one day mature out of that and want a hundred thousand different foods. It doesn't work that way no, because the way that their brain develops when they're very young has an influence on how their brain functions later on in life. It's true. And so if we are exposing them to a wide range of things as young children, mm -hmm. they are going to be more open to all kinds of new things, even things that they weren't exposed to. Exactly. There's actually to kind of bring in a study with this when very, very young children are exposed to multiple languages, mm -hmm. their brain develops in a way that they can pick up those languages very easily. That's so And cool. on top of that, it makes it that much more likely that they will become a polyglot later in life where they actually have all kinds of languages and they mm -hmm. can learn a language with ease because their brain has wired in a way that it just sucks in new languages. Yep. And why couldn't we do that with food, right? Well, and I love how you you said that exposure to languages makes them, you know, able to learn more as they're older. Um, same thing goes with food and your gut biome. So mm. the, the younger they are and the more diverse foods, like vegetables, fruits, um, the different uh, kinds of chains of foods and fibers, um, cellulose, um, 
uh, what am I thinking of? The There's cellulose and then there's digestible and non-digestible fiber. fiber thank you. I betcha. But, but soluble no, and insoluble. Yes, soluble yeah. and insoluble. <laughs> I got you, you guys, back. That's what I'm here for. It's like 11.10 p.m. <laughs> the, I am our brain really shut off an tired. hour ago, but we got to get this recorded. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my eyeballs, like my eyelids are like closing as I'm saying some of these sentences. It um, just makes it more fun though, right? So, yeah, exactly. So, um, so... The younger they are and the younger they are exposed to these fruits and these vegetables, the more their gut biome is going to be um, diversified and proliferate and they're healthy bacteria because there's unhealthy bacteria in your gut and there's healthy bacteria in your gut. Mm -hmm. And the healthy bacteria keeps the bad guys at bay, the bad bacteria, right? And so the more, so what feeds the good bacteria? It's the, the, soluble and insoluble fiber. It's the fruits, it's the vegetables that feeds the good guys. So when they are young and you are, um, you're nurturing the good biome that is just going to propel their immune systems forward for their entire lifetime. So there was, I think I posted this on Instagram like a week ago that showed that eating healthy in your teens or the food that you ate in your early years, like your teens, affected your health decades later. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing right now as a parent is you, you're not just feeding them today, you are investing in their health for the rest of their life. Right. And, and one of the ways you're directly doing that is by shaping their gut biome their gut biome, to yeah. be more diverse, more mm -hmm. adaptable, more flexible, mm -hmm. because it's not just about having good bacteria in there. It's about having a good balance of bacteria exactly. that can handle anything you throw at them. Exactly. So, so we're going to talk about feeding babies in a little bit, but let's finish uh, things that you can do for your children now. So we spoke about the monkey see, monkey do. We spoke about the upfront contract um, exposure therapy 15 times before they accept a food. By the way, that also applies to you as an adult. Exactly. So, so if you happen to be like Katie and you hate beets, mm -hmm. just do it 15 more times. <laughs> and then you'll probably accept it. I have never had a person come to me because a lot of people are fussy. I, I was fussy. Oh my gosh. When we were first changing our um, nutrition and you'll, you'll hear this in the other podcast, like I went to the store in secret and bought candy bars and would eat them in my car and then throw the wrappers away in the trash outside. So nobody saw the candy wrappers. So like, much shame. And like, like, <laughs> but I wouldn't do that now because I just don't crave that food. Like your body adapts, your, your gut biome adapts. Like if you are feeding the bad bacteria, the bad foods, they are going to make you crave bad foods. So how do you switch that? You feed the good guys mm -hmm. and then you start craving the food that the good bacteria wants. And so, so I've never had a person who has changed their lifestyle and has said, you know, I still hate this healthy food. Like it is still disgusting to me mm. six months later. Not one person has come to me. They, they first say, you know, in the first month I had headaches. I went into withdrawal. I hated life. But then I started craving vegetables and I started craving my green smoothies and I started craving my broccoli even. And I started craving my bone broth and so on and so forth. So the body adapts. You just have to become uncomfortable for a little bit. That like, that's why it's called growing pains because it's painful, but you are growing. You are getting stronger, better, healthier, but you have to go through those growing pains. And so you need to decide, is it worth it for me? As like a short-term uncomfortable moment where I'm miserable for a long-term health, happiness, vibrancy, clear minds, clear thoughts, less pain in my body, better so, immune system. So basically two things here. One of them is be very clear on your why, right? Yes. Janique already talked about the why with your children. This applies to you too. What is your why? Mm -hmm. And if it really is so important to you, then go back to that every time you find yourself struggling yeah. and remind yourself why it's worth it for you to put up mm -hmm. with this discomfort now yep. so that you can be better later. The other thing is meditation. I, I mean, I think we talk about this every now and then, but mm -hmm. meditation is so, so, so important because yeah. it trains us to tolerate what was previously intolerable. Totally. We are actually challenging our Gutsy Health members to meditate this week. We sent them a link to a, a meditation app and we said, okay, five minutes a day, like we're going to check on you in a week. Did you guys hear meditation? Like it is so important 
because it really like, so stress actually spikes your cortisol, which increases your, your, your hunger because you need calories to feed your body that's supposed to be flying away or like running away from a lion, Mm -hmm. right? So what happens when you're stressed? You crave sugary things and carby things. But guess what? We're not running away from lions. We're sitting at a desk Mm -hmm. in front of a computer or in front of a TV or in front of our cell phones. So we're not utilizing those calories. So they're being stored as fat. And so, and, and then we also have inflammation too because of the high cortisol and that's, <laughs> that's the hormone lecture for another day. But, um, but, but back to foods and back to what we need to do with our children. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, the next point is you need to have clear boundaries, expectations, and rules around food. Okay. It's the same thing as when, like moms right now, what time is your children's bedtime? Think in your mind and you you set a number. It was 7 p.m., 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Okay, that's an expectation. That is a boundary that you have enforced because bedtime was really important to you because you want mom time for them, like for yourself. So that was something that you reinforce every single day. Moms, do you force your children to do homework? Most of you are saying yes. They have homework. They are expected to do it. They are expected to go to school. They are expected to practice piano if they're in piano. They are, if they are doing sports, they are expected to go and go to the practices, to go to the games. If they're not even playing, they are on the sideline cheering their teammates. These are these expectations. These are these clear boundaries. And those expectations and boundaries are just as important around food. Just as important. Now, you don't have to be overly controlling but you can have these gentle boundaries where it's where you say, you know, when you're at home, you eat this way because it's healthy, because we're nurturing your gut biome, because we're building healthy bodies, because these are the strong building blocks. Do you want a strong body when you're 50 or 60 or 70 or 80 or 100 and so on and so forth? So create your boundaries now. Create your rules. Let them know what they are. Because sometimes children don't understand, like, especially when you're making such a drastic change, um, they don't understand. They don't understand fully. So you need to make it crystal clear. You know, you have to mimic it to them. You have to model it to them. And then you have to explain it to them why. Show, tell, do. Exactly. And, And by the way, this is not always easy, depending on how old your children are you're going to fail at explaining to them in a way that they Mm -hmm. understand. And that's okay Mm -hmm. because you're, you're actually just doing the process of being open and transparent about this is why things are the way they are. And they might still throw a fit. They might still have their tantrums and refuse to, to play along with it. But over time, you're going to get better at that. Mm -hmm. They're going to start listening more as long as you are also listening and, and, making it clear that you understand their experience and it does, it gets so much better. Yep. Um, So I want to use an example. So Tennyson was, um, he went to a birthday party on Friday and, and I knew that he would just be eating junk food and he loves junk food. I mean, who doesn't? Right. And so he ate a ton of junk food and, um, and you know, he told me in the car and he was like, mom, I ate so much junk food. And I'm like, did you have fun? You know, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, that's so bad for your body because shame never works, guys. Mm-hmm. Never use shame to instill some lesson because it, will, it won't stick right. Um, so anyways, I, I asked him, like, did you have fun? Like, what were the colors? What was your favorite? You know, like I wanted to be uh, experiencing that joy that he had through it. Um, and, then I, and then I enforced a boundary and I said, okay, we're going to go home and have dinner now, but we're not going to have dessert, Okay. Because and, and I like to make healthy desserts for my kids because I think that's a pretty big um, cultural thing in our society. And it's a really great way. Um, another thing we're going to talk about soon is uh, rewards. Um, I bribe my kids all the time, all the time. Um, it works, but I bribe them with healthy things and I bribe them with good things, you know, like, uh, like, um, healthier desserts or, you know, stickers or crayons or now, now that we've trained our kids a little bit to like healthy things, we can do healthy desserts Mm -hmm. and, and that works as a bribe for them. But 
it didn't always because there was nothing healthy that they right. were open to. And at that point, we did have to use non-food things yeah. as rewards, which actually is not a terrible idea, except mm-hmm. that it did lead to a gigantic amount of clutter in our house. Yeah, <laughs> that's so, true. So we had all kinds of cheap little toys that we were using as as the kind of rewards for things. Mm-hmm. And now it's a lot easier because we can give them some like really healthy peppermint patties mm-hmm. and they think it's the greatest thing in the world. So, yeah. Guys, and it's my, also healthy for them. My peppermint patties are amazing. They are they're so, really good. They're really, and the kids will like, and they'll have one and they're like, can I have another one? I'm like, absolutely. There's no sugar, you know? And so they're like, oh my gosh, life is so good. I'm like, life is so good. <laughs> so, um, so back to, what was I talking about before the reward system? Um, well, you were talking about the birthday party oh, the birthday and the party. expectations, oh, yeah. so, not so shaming. The boundary was, I was like, okay, you've had all your, and, and, and we had a discussion because he, he was like, I had so much sugar and he knows how much I hate sugar. You know, I'm like, okay, that's, that's really great. But you know that we're just not going to have any dessert after dinner. Like you're going to have to eat all your veggies. And so the, the expectation and the boundary is if you eat a lot of sugar, then you have to make up for it by eating a lot of vegetables, you know, like no ifs, ands, or buts. Like if you have space in your belly for sugar, you have space in your belly for vegetables. I had a parent, this is, this is actually really interesting. And the idea that I got this from was, I think it was Gandhi actually. And, um, and, and and because Gandhi had a, a a mom come up to him and was like, you need to tell my child to not eat sugar. And so he said, okay, bring that child back to me in a month. And the, the child came, and the mom, I think maybe I'm getting the story no, no, wrong. You've got it. And so, so the mom comes back a month later. And so, so he says to the mom, he's like, I had to go off sugar first before I could tell your child this, mm-hmm. you know? So he went off sugar for an entire month and then he could tell the child that, you know? And so, so when people are like, well, should we have these unrealistic expectations? I'm like, absolutely not. Like I even like, like, unhealthy things, you know? So a lot of people think I'm a purist and I'm absolutely not, but I do believe in an 80-20 rule where it's 80% good foods and then have your fun 20%. You know what I mean? Um, And I would say 90-10, but... (laughs) So for people that have like autoimmune issues, like severe health issues, like there's very little leeway to cheat. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you really have to up your ante. But for the average Joe, for if you are just trying to incorporate a healthy lifestyle, you know, 80-20 is going to be okay. But again, if you have massive health issues, you you need something a little more stringent. So anyways, I had this mom come up to me and she was like, can you, can you tell my daughter to, to not eat all these junk foods and tell her how bad it is. And I said, no, because when you have this, like take, when you have this um, scarcity mindset, um, it creates, it creates the opposite effect where you just want it more and more and more. It's like the forbidden fruit. So I told her, I, so I said to this, this daughter, she was like 13 at the time. I said, Hey, when you have your eight servings of vegetables a day, have your bowl of ice cream. So when it comes to your children, think of adding foods to their, think of it as adding and not taking away. All right. So if you, if that's a reward system that you have to have in the beginning where your child has to eat X amount of veggies a day or X amount of green smoothies or whatever, and then at night they can have like their small treat or something, then that's fine because they are getting the vegetables in. All right. And you can also make that a progressive thing mm-hmm. where initially, yeah, it's a bowl of ice cream, but then down the line, as they get more accustomed to the healthy food, mm-hmm. you cut it down to like a cup of ice cream right. and then it's, you know, almond ice cream instead. Mm-hmm. And then it's a, a sugar free, whatever mm-hmm. kind of treat. Right. And, and then it's my peaches and cream uh, recipe that's made from coconut and cashews and dates. Exactly. And, 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 and so the, the idea is that you are gradually retraining your body and your mind mm-hmm. to like these good foods. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay if you are in a compromising situation, if, right. if you're kind of giving a little bit, even if you know it's not that great, mm-hmm. because the last thing you want to do yeah. is create a shame situation where your Mm -hmm. child still wants those bad foods, but they have attached shame to it. So they do it in secrecy instead. Right. Right. We know so many people who so well-intentioned tried to 
teach their kids healthy habits. Mm -hmm. And in the process, they actually turned it into a situation where their kids were hiding candy under their beds, right? Or in the the pantry and they would eat it in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And that's just awful. Not just because they're eating the bad stuff, but because the the shame shame that comes with that creates so much negative chemistry Mm -hmm. in their brain and in their body, Mm -hmm. in addition to the sugar. Yeah. So... So when you are reinforcing, one, when you're making these boundaries and these rules, when you're reinforcing them, make sure it's coming from the right place, Uh, not shame, not anger, like that there's no emotional charge, you know, like use language like, I'm sorry you're sad about that. Like, do you want to talk about it? Do you, you know, like with, oh yeah, with Tennyson tonight, I, we still have arguments with our kids, not arguments, but like um, Tennyson, we, we made soup tonight mm-hmm. and it had the kelp noodles and the, the homemade bone broth and I had cauliflower and onions in it and he called the onions crunchy he's like ew they're crunchy and I'm like I'm sorry you're having a problem with that um when you're ready to eat it let me know and I'll help you with that you know so he had to so he took like five minutes to work it out with himself and then he was like okay mom I'm ready you know and so and so I helped him eat his food you know what I mean and um and and so so just give them space to not be happy, you know, and create a safe space for that too. create mm-hmm. a safe space for them to process that. Ah, this isn't candy, you know, but then he ate his whole bowl. And when he was finished and then he came for another bite, I'm like, you're done. And he's like, what? That's it. I'm like, yeah, you had a big bowl of basically, you know, vegetables, you know, good job, you know? So um, again, it took us years to get to this point, mm-hmm. you know, some days are going to be harder than others because kids fluctuate just like you and me. I mean, some days I love my veggies and some days I hate them. Mm-hmm. You know, some days I'm happy and some days I'm sad. Mm-hmm. Some days I'm not emotional and some days I am. You know, kids are us times 10. So they are going to have days where they are eating like champions. And then they're going to have days when they are just craving all the junk food and they are going to tear the city down because they want to get it. All mm-hmm. right. So um, so those are my tips that I put there. Um, one more. Can I yes, give one more? I have, I have another one too, but what are you going to say? Okay. I'll do mine and then you do yours. Yeah. So when you are educating your kids, the, the temptation is to wait and educate them when you want them to do what you want them to do. So while you're sitting at the table and they're saying no to your food, then you start going into, you know, the reason why you need to eat healthy is because your body, blah, 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 blah. Fine. If you need to do that, you can do that. But Mm -hmm. the most effective education comes when everything is going really well between Mm -hmm. you. When your child eats healthy, then educate them on what they just did for themselves because that is so rewarding for them. It lights up all those Mm -hmm. reward centers in their brain and makes them go, wow, this is good for me. Mm -hmm. And they start to develop that positive association. Or even when you're not even doing anything with food, let's say they're talking about their body for some reason and you can say, oh yeah, that's so cool that you can do that. Can you imagine how much easier it would be to do that if you had Mm. all these vegetables going in to create muscle? And then they start to get the inquisitive piece where they're like, oh my goodness, that's cool. I can see how that plays into Mm -hmm. being a cooler person. And then makes them more likely to want to eat those foods when they come across those foods. But if you only use it when you're in those tense moments and their brain is not in a receptive state, they're just going to start zoning that out. And that's going to become their reaction to anything healthy in the future. Mm -hmm. I think that's what happened to some people in your family actually oh, really? they they got so much of the kind of the lecture mode of it mm-hmm. that they never really they just learned to zone it out right yeah, and yeah. it took them decades to kind mm-hmm. of come back around and say okay maybe there's actually something some useful here this. for me yeah so um so now what so now what do you do because now you know the rules so what is what did what is the first step look like we we said we spoke about the upfront contract we spoke about establishing boundaries. We spoke about, you know, monkey see, monkey do. So now what? I think what's important is you, once you've had your upfront contract, part of the upfront contract is telling them the steps you are going to be taking. Because can you imagine if you drove home one day and you walked into your house and all your furniture was gone and you were like, what just happened? So one of the first steps I tell moms 
And they're like, but this is so drastic. And I'm like, you know, big actions allow for big changes. And so like, you can't just poo-poo around this. Like when you are ready, you just kind of need to jump in and do it. Like you can't just wait. So the very first thing I tell parents is you have to clear out the pantry. You can't have the candy in there. You can't have the processed foods in there. You can't have the goldfish there. Like it needs to be like, you can't even have like a secret drawer. You know, we, we have, we have a cupboard called, called the secret tunnels. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And um, you can't have the secret tunnels in your house. Like your kids will find the secret tunnels and they will grab all the junk food and eat it all. So you will too, by the way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, so you need to, so part of your upfront contract with your family is okay. On Saturday, pick a day. I'm just going to say, you say on Saturday, mommy's going to be clearing out the pantry. Like these foods and these foods and these foods are going to be gone, but we're going to replace them with some other fun foods like popcorn and nuts and fruits. And so ask them and say, what list of fruits would you like me to buy? What list of nuts would you like me to buy? And you can make them healthy trail mix with raw organic nuts and seeds and goji berries. And you can get the, the, the lilies, uh, on like the stevia sweetened chocolate chips and throw some chocolate chips in there if you need to for now, um, just to make it, you know, to sweeten the deal. But let them be, let them be part of the decision-making mm-hmm. and, and they will feel empowered and not disempowered. And, and so, so step one clear out that pantry, burn the food, let it be gone. Just kidding. Don't burn the food. Give it away. Don't even give it away because it's unhealthy. Throw it away. Don't poison your neighbors, guys. Gosh, (laughs) Tristan. They're going to eat it anyway. (laughs) Um, So, so get the, like clear out the pantry, clear out the fridge and then restock with some ideas from your family. Um, get healthier snacks. Um, you guys, fruit and nuts is so quick and easy to grab and go. Another thing, another some snacks that we like in our house, and your kids might take some time to warm up to these kinds of things, but like the seaweed snacks, mm-hmm. for one. There are these crunchy mushroom things that you can buy from Costco. What are they called? Uh, yeah, mushroom chips. Yes. So we don't, I don't know. Like know mushroom chips. But, but my kids actually always have access to fruit and nuts and they can go to the cupboards or what do you guys call them? The pantry. Sorry. Yeah, cupboard works. Does cupboard yeah, work? We keep food in I, cupboards too. Okay. Uh, do, <laughs> okay. Sometimes I get like my South African terminology mixed up with my American terminology. And I'm like, wait, do you guys say that here? Um, so, so my, our kids always have, access to some kinds of snacks in the cupboards, but they're always healthy snacks. And so, um, so that gives them, so in the beginning, your children are going to be hungry and grumpy. And when they say, mom, I'm hungry, you can say, well, you can help yourself to snack, but I don't want that snack. You're like, sorry, we all agreed to this, you know, and remind them and be gentle about it and say, this is, this is what we said. This is what we agreed to. Um, I can wash some blueberries for you if you want, or you can get some, you know, Tennyson will help himself to frozen blueberries all the time. Mm-hmm. He'll pull out a bowl, pull out the frozen blueberries and just down a whole bowl of frozen blueberries, or he'll make himself a scrambled egg or mm-hmm. something like that. Like, but it's, it's always healthy snacks that he can have access to. So that's just something that works in our home. Um, but, but let them know that all the other things, like it's gone. It's no longer going to be a part of the picture. And you're going to have moments where you are really craving something or your kids are really craving something and they mm-hmm. go to the cupboards and you're just so frustrated because you don't yeah. have your junk food there and you're going to hate it in that moment. Later on though, you're going to be so glad you didn't have that mm-hmm. because you didn't give in and you feel better because of it. Yeah, exactly. Um and so I, th- I think, honestly, that is the biggest step possible. The next thing that a lot of moms, and we talk about this in the podcast, is finding a supportive community, mm-hmm. like finding like-minded parents that are on the same page as you um, and re- are reinforcing that. Because there's a big cultural issue with shaming healthy people, and I don't know why that is. 
Um, but they're like, we, we feel uncomfortable that we're taking up that, that we have these boundaries with food, you know, and people shame you for that. And so when you can find like-minded parents and families that eat the same way, it just makes this so much easier. And that's why I think I love what we've created with the membership is because like moms and parents can go in there and share ideas and share frustrations and share recipes and share, um, tips on what they did with their, their families for breakfast or lunch or dinner or, um, and I love that. I love that they are, they're communicating and they're bonding and that bond is reinforcing the behavior instead of making it a shameful, uncomfortable experience that makes you never want to do healthy food ever again. So, um, and Another thing about the Gutsy Health membership is that it takes the decision fatigue away from you. So when you're like, what do I feed my family? Like the membership gives you your meal plans. It gives you your shopping list. It gives you everything that you need. And um, and again, you can break it up in parts on the plate of like, love, gotta try. Mm-hmm. And then you just keep re-exposing them to it. Um, another thing that I found helpful and that I incorporated in the Gutsy Health membership was a picture menu plan. So every day, my kids can see a picture of what they're eating that day. This is for breakfast. This is for lunch. This is for dinner. This is what our snacks look like. So I'm all about those upfront contracts, right? So when you show your family, like, this is what we're eating today, then there's no, um, there's no kind of trying to manipulate it out of it. But I want pizza, but I want this. It's like, sorry, you just go look at the menu. Whatever you see on there, that's for dinner. You know, but mom, no, but I'm sorry. Like, well, actually, I'm not sorry. Like, this is really good food for you. So, you know, I promise you'll like it and I'll give you extra chicken, you know, so you don't have to have a lot of green beans, but you just have to try a few, you know, language like that. The one thing we can't take away from you with the program is that initial adjustment period that goes on in your mind and in Mm -hmm. your emotions, because it is, we talk about this in the other episode too, but there's a grieving process that goes into giving up foods that you have a lot of emotional attachment to, even Mm -hmm. though they're really bad for you. Yeah, And that's going to happen for you. It's going to happen for your kids. And and this, there's just a getting used to period where yeah. you're prepping food and it's not the usual stuff that you know and mm-hmm. love and it makes you sad. Yep. And we can't take that away, but we can promise it'll go away. Liza in the, in the next episode, she talks, she, she uses such beautiful language around this reprogramming and creating a new baseline, a new normal, and how in the beginning that is hard and it's you're mourning, you know, your old life, but then you are um, you're celebrating a new life, and 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 it just goes back to that idea of growing pains. Like there is a growing pain process for you, for your kids but it becomes intuitive. And then your whole mindset around food completely shifts and changes for the better. And not only do you empower yourself and your children with health and wellness and education, but then you can start teaching them about the world around them, like where their food is growing from. And then, and then you can take them on like farm tours, like organic farm tours. And um, there are programs out there that help educate children on how to grow a farm. Like that is such, I, I can't wait. I know every year Tristan's going to laugh at me, but I'm like, I'm going to grow a garden this year and it's going to be this big fat garden. But then I've always had little children and then I've been trying to grow a business and whatnot. But like, I can't wait till next year to, because both Tennyson and Satori will be of an age where they can help me plant trees and then plant seeds and grow a garden. But when you can start educating children about where their food is coming from, where their meat is coming from, how it grows. I mean, you guys, food grows from sun and water and seeds and dirt and bacteria. That is so cool. And so when you start teaching your children about these things, like it opens up a part of life that they have never, that they were so desensitized to that they didn't even realize it. I mean, think of how removed we are from our food. We don't even think about it. We show up to the store, we buy it and we take it home. Where did that come from? Who's touched it? How was it manufactured? Right? But when you go into a healthier um, food lifestyle, 
those questions really do matter. And, and you want to know where it comes from. And it's exciting to know, and it's exciting to learn, and it's empowering to learn about those things. So give those empowering tools to yourself and to your children. So were we going to talk about babies? Oh, let's talk about babies really, really fast. fast. Okay, okay, because we're almost hitting like, oh, we have a- so, so specifically we're talking about you've been either breastfeeding or bottle mm-hmm. feeding your baby and it's time to start introducing solids. Solids. So I'm going to share with you guys what my pediatrician shared with me. And he was actually, oh my gosh, he was really, really smart about this. But um, okay, and and mind you, this was what he told me, and I never forgot it. I actually did a video of it that same day, so I never forgot it. So he said, when you are transitioning your kids to solids, you do not want to puree food because they they are developing their sensory um, nervous system. And remember, food is supposed to be a sensory experience. It, it should involve all of your senses, not just your taste buds. Exactly. So he said, so let's, let's think of vegetables, for instance. So you obviously want to cook them so that they're soft, but you don't want to puree it. You want to chop it up really fine and then put it in front of them on a tray. You don't want to like force feed them with a spoon. So when you cut it, when it's steamed and it's cut up into teeny tiny little bits, they get to pick it up with their fingers and you'll see them play with it. And then they put it in their mouths and they start to play with it in their mouths. And then they will spit it out and then they'll pick it up again. And then they put it back in their mouths and they're playing, playing, playing. And their tongue is feeling and their teeth are feeling and their cheeks are feeling. And then they spit it out and then they will occasionally try to swallow it. And so you obviously want to keep your eyes on your child. But this is what he said. He said, babies have incredible gag reflexes. So they're going to choke on food quite a bit. And that is okay because they are training themselves. So let them play, let them touch, let them feel, let them make a mess. And moms, you're all cringing out there. And I cringed daily when, (laughs) especially Satori is my artsy child. And she like created these these um, these canvases of food everywhere over her, over the floor, over her dress, and um, and I just let her because I was like because my doctor said so. <laughs> so um, so let them play with their food. Don't puree it. Steam it. Cut it up and let them eat it. So now everyone's asking now. So what first foods would you introduce to your children? Um, this is a really important question, and this is what I always tell people: vegetables. Vegetables, vegetables, vegetables. Not fruits. Not fruits. The blander the vegetable, the better. Because if you start giving them very um, sweet foods in the beginning, you are training them to crave sweet foods. Remember, what you first feed them is going to feed their gut biome. So make sure you are feeding the gut biome that thrives off of vegetables. And so I liked um, avocado fatty foods like avocado and then also um, broccoli, cauliflower, peas. I don't like corn, guys. It's just starchy. I mean, um, peas are only so-so also. Yeah. Cooked carrots. Um, what else did we like? Uh, I mean, sweet potatoes. Carrots and sweet potatoes. So even those things, they're meh. They're, you know. they're a little sweet. but it, Primarily, though, the above-ground vegetables are going to be your, mm-hmm. your winners. Zucchinis. Uh-huh. The yes. zucchinis, the broccolis, the cauliflowers. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, leafy greens are really hard. It's easy for kids to choke on those because right. they just can't chew them down very well enough. Right. So those... Maybe a green smoothie is not the guys, worst thing in the world. Costco has organic frozen broccoli. And I remember with Tennyson as, as a baby, like you just pull out a bag, you steam it, mm-hmm. you cut it up fine and um, and you give it to them. And then they play and they chew and then they swallow and they they choke on it and then they try it again. And um, and just let it be an experience. And then late, like I think with Tennyson, he was two and a half before we introduced fruits to him. Satori was just over one. Uh, when we introduced fruits to her because she was watching Tennyson eat fruit. And so she wanted to eat fruit. And I think even to this day, she has more of a sweet tooth than Tennyson. And I think it's because she was introduced to fructose Maybe. at a younger age. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's just my theory. But, but compare that to what typically happens where baby's first food is probably applesauce or banana mm-hmm. puree. Right. And they get rice cereal to kind of break their teeth on, right? And, mm-hmm. and that is how their taste buds really start to develop right. once they're weaned off of the, the mm-hmm. bottle or the breast. Yep. And 
imagine what's happening to their gut biome oh my when gosh. all they're getting is this really sugary, yes. high fructose garbage, mm-hmm. right? And and what we try to do, we're not perfect. We certainly gave our kids stuff that they probably shouldn't have had every now and then. But mm-hmm. but the fact is that they did a million times better than average. True. And that has made it a million times easier than average for us to yep. introduce them to better foods now yep. and to kind of keep those patterns going. Yep. Um, it, and again, like when, because both of our kids were exposed to different types of textures of food, they have never had an issue with like gagging up food. Mm-mm. Like they have tried everything and they've never once thrown it up. Whereas you come across these children who were raised on pureed foods and sippy pouches and stuff. And they, they just, their tongue touches a tiny piece of broccoli and they're throwing up everything. Mm-hmm. It's because they never developed that sensory processing in their mouth. That is so important. And our children are missing that. And now that's why they are living on a diet of fries and chicken nuggets and soup, mm. like soupy soup um, that's blended because they can't do the textures. So, um, so we're not helping our children with that. Uh, okay, last but not least, you guys, there is a documentary on Netflix called The Magic Pill. And um, and it talks, it's it's fantastic. But there is a story of a, of, I think she's like four. And um, and you see the food that her parents fed her. And she she has like multiple seizures a day. So there's there's developmental delays with her and sensory processing issues. And um, and so what they do is they revamp this family's nutrition and you you see how she completely changes. But you also see the struggle and how these parents wanted to just give up and die. And then the story that they tell is just the most beautiful thing. I got goosebumps and I'm not going to give it away, but I want you to go and watch it when, while you're, because you are probably listening to this podcast and you're saying, this is impossible. Mm -hmm. I want you to go and watch the magic pill and see for yourself how this is so possible. Okay. This can be done. If that family could do it, you can do it. You got this. You do. You do. It takes four days to start shifting your microbiome. That's it. Just four days. You just need four days to cut out some bad food. And then things are going to start shifting and changing for your good because you deserve it. You deserve healthy food. You deserve healing. You deserve to not be trapped in a body that doesn't work for you. I can't think of anything worse than being imprisoned in a body that can't function properly, that's full of pain or arthritis or some kind of autoimmune disorder. So um, so do this for yourself and do this for your children because they deserve to live a vibrant, healthy life. And I think that's it, you guys. I think I covered all of my bullet points. Yep, that'll do it. There you go. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Well, hopefully you learned a little something about how to help your children make the transition Mm -hmm. and therefore how to help yourself make the transition to a healthier lifestyle. But definitely check out our next episode coming in just a couple of days where we talk about some real life examples with uh, Liza and with Katie. And they've got some really incredible insights to share. So you'll love it. Thanks, guys. See you next next time. time.